Hey, Salt Church, welcome back for another Sunday. So glad you're here with us this Memorial Day weekend. I'm glad that you have chosen to be with us today. You could be anywhere, but you are here ready to receive what God has for you. Um, I just want to mention something about Memorial Day. I realize that this Memorial Day is very different. And even coming up here and filming this here at the oceanfront, we're, we're here at uh, FFX Theater filming right off the oceanfront. It looks a little different. There's not a lot of people around like there is, and there's a lot of uh, uh, different businesses that have, have closed. So it's a, it's a different world. But remember why we have Memorial Day, because we want to remember those who gave their lives for our freedom. Praise God that we have people that are serving our country. So we honor those who are serving now, and we remember those who gave their life. I have people in my family who gave their life. I'm sure you do, and we honor them today. So don't forget that, even if your vacation plans have, have been canceled for some reason. Remember why we do this and uh, why we have this holiday. Also, I want to mention, we are looking at meeting again. I know some of you are, are anxious about that. I have a meeting this week, and we're looking at MOCA opening up maybe sometime in June. Um, uh, so we'll give you more information on that. It will be really soon. So I want you to stay tuned to your emails, social media. Uh, keep connected to us. If you need to call me or call someone here at the church, kind of keep you up to date what's going on, we'll let you know. But we are going to be back really soon, so don't worry about that. If you want to stay at home for a period of time, we are going to give you permission to do that. No worries. We'll, we'll have some things set up sanitation-wise. We're going to honor a lot of the requirements once we are back together. It will look a little different, but we're excited to get back together. We want y'all, and I encourage you guys during the week to gather around these teachings, gather around uh, uh, your salt groups and, and continue to gather together in micro gatherings. We need to connect. I want to talk a little bit about that today, but I think it's important that we connect. So we are in the series, New Normal, and you've heard the tagline, New Normal, and um, it's being spoken everywhere. We, we hear it all the time. We, we hear it till we're sick of hearing it, right? And for some of us, thinking about the new normal is is a, a, a idea of oppression. You know, like oh, they're they're using psychology to try to manipulate us to think that we need to 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 honor this new norm, and it, it, we're just going to have to settle. Uh, uh, I was talking to someone this past week, uh, a few days ago actually, and uh, he says, you know, that 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 term new norm, it kind of brings up some uh, some things because when I hurt my back. I thought about, you got to get used to the new norm, you got to get used to the new norm, and like I had to settle. I had to settle because that was the new norm. And for a lot of you, that, that's probably your experience. Yeah, we're, we're going into this new norm and I'm going to have to settle that things are going to be different. And, 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 but here's what I want to say about the new normal we're talking about today. Although we, there is a new normal out there and perhaps there will be a new normal after this, and, and you're living in that right now. It's just such a different time. We're talking about a different new normal, a new normal that steps forward in our lives as Christians, as believers. We're talking about a new normal that we don't want to go back to. Many of you were in a place of brokenness before this started, and you've grown closer to Christ during this time, perhaps. Maybe you, you, you pray more, maybe you uh, are giving more, you're doing some things more because you see how fragile this world really is. But we don't want to go back to the same old way. We want to move forward in Christ no matter where our walk is. 
We want to walk closer to Jesus. We want to take steps forward. So our new normal after this isn't anything that holds us back, but it moves us forward. And that's what we want to share today. And the idea of this series comes from 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It says, May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through, and may your whole spirit, may your whole body and soul be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. So we've been looking at the spirit and we're going to look at the body, and this week we're going to look at the soul. Last week we talked about the spirit. If you don't have your spirit right, if your spirit isn't connected to God, then everything else falls. You need to go back and listen to that message so you can catch up because it won't, none of this make, will make sense. None of this will work until the spirit part is right. Next week we're going to talk about the body, some things that we have to do in this three-dimensional here time, space, and continuing, time, space, continuing we're dealing with right now. How do we live in life right now, uh, physically, how, how, do we, how do we treat others, how do we uh, live healthy, how do we have good families, things like that. So you got to be here next week because that's going to be really good. But today I want to talk about the soul, the soul of man, because listen, if, if, if our soul, and our soul is the way we think, the way we feel, the way we choose, it's the inner part of us. We have our body, but we have this inner part of us that, that is our emotions, our personality. So our emotions are kind of crazy, and I feel like a lot of people are going through a second wave of, of emotion right now. As we're coming out of this, as things are starting to open up, we're, we're dealing with a second wave. How are we going to land this plane? I'm going back to work. I'm still a little fearful. Uh, business is different now. Um, is it going to make it? What, what, what are the results that are going to happen after this? What, what, what's going to happen? And, and, and our emotions are kind of chaotic. But listen, if our emotions are unhealthy, then our spiritual life is unhealthy. Listen, if we're not mature emotionally, if we don't know how to handle things emotionally, then we're immature spiritually. So we need to work on our emotions. And the Bible has a lot to say about our emotions. But before we go into that, we need to learn what causes emotional chaos. If we're dealing with emotions, if we're not able to handle our emotions, if they're all over the place, what, what, what causes that? Well, Number one, and I think we've all experienced this recently, is we experience trauma. We experience some type of trauma. And maybe it's a shock. Another way of saying it, just shock. We, when, we, when we get shocked, we, we don't see properly and we don't think properly and we begin to make up things. In fact, the tagline has been lately, this is unprecedented. Everything that's happening is it's just never in the history of the world has this ever happened because everybody's in such shock about what had happened. And, uh, and the truth is, it isn't. It isn't the only time this has happened. There's been pandemics in the past. Not to underestimate the severity of what this has caused to people and how, how dangerous it can be to people, but there have been pandemics that have, in fact, been worse than this in the last 200 years. In fact, I'm reminded of in the mid-1800s, there was a young pastor named Charles Spurgeon. He was a great orator and uh, he was a great theologian. I use his books. Many pastors even use his books today. He's just a great teacher and uh, really, really popular like a prince among preachers is one of the titles he's been given. And in his day in England, in London, a pandemic broke loose and, and many people were dying. Many pe in fact, it says that as much as 23,000 
people died in a short period of time. He was literally burying somebody every day. And during that shock and during the emotions, he, he began to feel weak and weary himself. He thought he may have been getting sick. He really wasn't, but he felt that he had, that was what was going on. And he began to feel weak and he wrote this. He said, I became weary in body and sick in heart. My friends seemed falling one by one and I felt and fancied that I was sickening like those around me. A little more work and weeping would have laid me low among the rest and I felt that my burden was heavier than I could bear and I was ready to sink under it. So he was feeling the pressure of, of, of everything that was around him. But then as he was walking down the street, he comes across this shoemaker's door and he sees a scripture from Psalm 91, 9 and 10. It says this, Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling and when he read this, he said his heart was completely changed. He was transformed. Like one reading of the word, knowing God's promise, he, it just changed him completely. And this is what he said, The effect upon my heart was immediate. Faith appropriated the passage as her own. I felt secure, refreshed, girt with immortality. I went on with my visitations of the dying in a calm and peaceful spirit, and I felt no fear of evil, and I suffered no Harm. Isn't it amazing what, what, what one word can do? But what we do when we go into that first stage is always a shock and we begin to think wrongly. And then that enters into the second stage, which we experience this type of prolonged sorrow. We experience prolonged sorrow. Uh, now, it's okay to have sorrow. It's okay to grieve. Jesus grieved when his best friend Lazarus died. He grieved. He, Jesus wept, the shortest scripture in the Bible. In fact, Isaiah says this, He is despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrow. It said he was an, an acquainted with grief. He was a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. And, and, he, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. So he knows sorrow, but the problem is when the sorrow Sorrow overwhelms us when, when it, it consumes our lives and it's prolonged and we start dipping into this, this sorrow that we can't get out of. It, it, it's overwhelming. It's a heart that is overwhelmed. Psalm says this, the Psalm says this in 61, 1 and 10, uh, 1 and 2, excuse me. Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayers. From the end of the earth I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. We need a rock that is greater and stronger than the things that we're facing emotionally. And that's my aim today is to help you see peace, to help you see hope, to help you see, hold on to something. And I'm getting ready to introduce this in a minute to you. But, but you need something solid. And then the third stage is when we enter into that prolonged sorrow and we can't get out of it, we begin to form these things called strongholds. Another way of saying that is struggles. Some of you have struggles in your life and you cope 
with the pain and the sorrow that you're feeling that you've held on for so long through alcohol, through drugs, through relationships, through all kinds of things that we self-medicate ourselves with to give us some kind of temporary substance to help us get through those times and it's leading us to dead ends. Those are strongholds, things in our lives that we can't get rid of, the struggles in our lives. And what we do also is we ruminate. We ruminate. The reason we, we enter into this stronghold, this thinking, is because we ruminate about what happened and why it happened. What we ask, the, we want to an answer, and we don't get the answer. So what we do is we get alone by ourselves. Uh, us men are the worst. We go alone by ourselves, and we start thinking about the things that we're thinking about, and we go over it and over it and over it again and again in our heads, and we're trying to, to, to come up with some type of answer, and we draw conclusions that aren't true about others and ourselves. And, and we don't even think well of ourselves anymore. This happened with Jeremiah. In chapter 20, verse 18, it says, Why was I ever born? My entire life has been filled with trouble, sorrow, and shame. See, he was ruminating and he concluded that his whole life was like that. Of course, his whole life wasn't like that. That's what we do when we ruminate and we struggle and we feel like there's just no end. And that's what brings us to those strongholds. Those strongholds, the problem seems to be too great and we can't get out of it. But I want to introduce you to an anchor, as Jesus talks about in Scripture, a firm foundation. In fact, in Matthew 7, we, we see the analogy of, a, of, of uh, two men who build houses, one on the sand and one on the rock. And I'm going to share the message version with you about this man who built his solid rock house that didn't fall. And it says this in, in chapter 7, verse 20, starting with verse 24, it says, These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, home improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. Isn't that powerful? If you work these words into your life, you will be like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. And when the rain poured down, the rivers flooded, the tornadoes hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to a rock. You know, I would love to tell you that I have all the answers for you right now. I, I, I mean, I'm going through it myself. I mean, this week was, was, was really hard uh, for Miranda and I. I mean, we have all kinds of things that have happened recently. I'm going to tell you the emotion is, 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 is nuts. I mean, we had, we had to change out a, a refrigerator the other week and a dishwasher. And then our dryer went out. And then my car messed up, so I had to take it in. And our anniversary was this week, and, and uh, we couldn't do anything because it was really stormy and cold, and you couldn't go anywhere anyway, so we had to kind of postpone a little night event or whatever. And, and for us, it was like there was a lot of emotions going on. And I wish I could say, you know, I could take that away from you right now, but I, I may not be able to do that, but I can help you find the solid place to help you stand on that. I can help you in the middle of that. I can give you something solid to grab onto. That, that's my goal here is to give that to you. And we spend a lot of time on our bodies, but we don't spend a lot of time on our souls. How, how, do, we, how do we build our souls? Like we, we starve our, our, our souls. If we starved our bodies, what would that look like? We would be very unhealthy, but we constantly starve our souls. We starve our souls in it, and that's why we're so emotionally distressed with life, with the things that are going on. 
But if we hold on to the rock, a rock that is firm in the storm, the, 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 the tornadoes can come, the winds can come, but, and we can hold on securely. I love how Dr. Henry Cloud, a Christian professional psychologist, uh, uh, shared, you know, he shared the analogy of our souls or, or our emotions as a house. He kind of used that from scripture and he defined it as we build a emotional foundation, then we build the frame, we put the frame together and then we do the finishing touches, we beautify it and put it together. So I'm going to use that today, I'm going to use some of his material and, and some things that I've learned myself to kind of help you and guide you. How can we have healthy emotional lives right now during this and we can come out of this in a new norm? How can we do that? First of all, we have a foundation of connecting and relationships. A foundation of connections and relationships. We need to be connecting together. You know, secular psychologists actually tell you this, that you need to be connected to people. If you're not connected to people right now, you're probably going insane. You need to connect to people in some way. You know, I, I just don't like the term social distancing, to be honest with you. We've heard it till it's just gone nuts because I don't believe that we socially distance. I believe we physically distance, but we still need to be socially involved <laughs> with each other. I think it's very important. I mean, I think about... Uh, Castaway, Wilson, the ball that, that Tom Hanks is talking to as he's on this island for years, you know, just trying to survive and how he's going insane. So he creates this little ball and calls him Wilson and he's talking to him and he's like a real person. It kept him sane because we need to be connected. So here's what we need to do. We need to connect with God and connect with others. Let me just talk about connecting with God for a second. You got to start and end your day refueling your soul. You've got to start and end your day refueling your soul because your soul needs to be connected to God. I say this a lot and I'll say it again. You need to spend time with God when you wake up and before you go to sleep at night. Man cannot live by bread alone, the Word of God says, but every mouth that proceeds from the Father's mouth. You need the Word of God in your life, just like Charles Spurgeon felt the Word of God earlier when I shared that. You need to experience God's word. Uh, James 1.21 says, Humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your soul. It does. It has the power to save your soul. So I love how Rick Warren puts it. He, he shares um, the GWFW, God's word, first word, and GWLW, God's word, last word. And his recommendation is that the first five minutes of the day, you need to wake up and and pour into scripture. If it's just five minutes, you need to find yourself a study plan. If you're reading scripture, that's fine. If you're just reading, reading you pick a book out of the Bible. And he says this, and I found it like just fascinating that, that this, is, this, is, this is really good. And it's very practical. Just open your Bible to what you're reading and set it on your bed or by your bed before you go to sleep at night. So when you wake up in the morning, you are more apt to go to that Bible and pick it up immediately. And you read Scripture. You start reading Scripture when you wake up that morning and, you can, and, and, and read it until God speaks to you and stop there. And then at night, you go back to that same Scripture or, or whatever you're reading through and continue reading until God speaks to you again. First word in the morning and last word at night. And... Anybody will tell you this that studies anything uh, psychological and emotional. The first five minutes of your day changes your entire day. Whatever you're thinking, don't, don't put on the news. Don't put on the media. Don't, don't feed yourself with negative things. 
Go to God's Word. Look at, look at what the Bible says. Psalms 92.2. It says, Every morning, thank God for His love. And in every evening, thank Him for His faithfulness. Psalm 119, 147. I rise early before the sun is up. I cry out for help and put my hope in Your Word. So it, it, it's very, very healthy to start your day off with God. To connect to God. Uh, Philippians uh, 4, 8 and 9 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, and anything excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things, and the peace of God will come over you. And, and, and I practice that. I go to my, you can ask Miranda, I go to my little office over in the corner of, of the house while she's still sleeping. And, and every morning I'm there. I'm worshiping. I'm listening to the Word. I'm, I'm reading the Word. I'm, I'm praying to God. I'm asking for guidance. And it really does change my entire day. And anytime I get away from that, things aren't right. So I connect with God. You need to connect with God every day and you need to connect with others. You need to connect with people you love, your family, people that, that, that really care about you and you care about them. It's important that we connect with our family. If you can't connect with your family right now, you need to get on a Zoom call with them and just talk to them. Maybe some friends that you have that are healthy friends, healthy relationships, believing relationships that you connect together with. That's why we do SALT groups. Let me just mention this again. You need to be in a SALT group. You need, to be, you need to be connected with somebody during the week. We, uh, and, and it's not really about meeting once a week. It's, it's more than meeting once a week. It's what happens around the one meeting that week. Those are the people that you need to, to have relationships with to help you during these emotional times. It's important that we're together uh, uh, in this. Ephesians 4.16 says, From Him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That's healthy. It grows us up. It helps us. It strengthens us. You can't be alone. We live in a world that's taught us we can do it alone. You can't do it alone. You need to be with others. You need connections so number one, you got to build that foundation. you got to pour that foundation connecting to God and connecting to others. And then we build the framework. The framework. That's the framing. That's the plumbing. That's the electricity. That's putting all the things in place before we finish the house. You know, the framework, what makes it stand... You need to build a framework on routine and purpose. You've got to put structure to your day. Psychologists even tell you this. Structure helps. It's healthy to have structure to your day. Simple routines are good. You need to put a routine in place. And when you are stuck at home, it's hard to do that, I know. And a lot of us have gotten out of routines. I know I've, I've experienced that. So, I mean, you may be sloppy with your routine right now. You're waking up late and you're going to bed late and, and, and things are kind of out of whack right now. Get on a healthy routine. Structure creates steadiness. Routine develops resilience. And predictability creates stability. You need stability. You need healthy emotions with stability. Look, look what Ephesians says. The Bible talks about this. 5, 15, and 16. It says, carefully consider how you live. Live wisely, not foolishly. Make the most of your time because these are difficult and evil times. It's important to routine your day, make the best use of your time, and live uh, a life wisely, wisely, not blowing your time, not binge-watching Netflix, not doing anything like that. Be healthy emotionally. And it's not just routine. When you do a routine, it can't just be, oh, I'm going to do the routine because, listen, you are more than your job. You are more than your family. You, are nor you need to build your life on a purpose. Why do 
I exist. Why do I exist? Ephesians 1.11, this is really good. A lot of people ask, why do they exist? What, 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 what does God want me to do? That's probably one of the biggest questions. What, what does God have for me? Uh, we, it, well, it first starts by discovering who you are in Christ. Your purpose starts first with God, okay? And our lives are more than just our jobs and our families and our hobbies and all those things that we've made our life about. Because when it starts there, then it is kind of hopeless. But it starts with God first. Ephesians 1.11 says, if it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eyes on us. He designed us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose is working out in everything and everyone. So there's three things we get from this. First of all, our identity comes from Christ. It comes from nothing else. It doesn't, we're not defined by our job. We're not even defined by our family and what they've done. We're defined by Christ. And, and the second thing is he was thinking of us long before we thought of him. He, he already knew about us. He knew how we were designed. He knew what we were, uh, what we were going to be like. He knew everything that we were going to do. And, and then thirdly, uh, the purpose of our life uh, fits in a larger story. We have a purpose bigger than ourselves. That scripture lays all of that out. We have a purpose bigger than ourselves. So here's, here's the simple answer. What, what is your purpose? What, what, are you, what are you here for? To glorify God. I know that sounds really simple, but that's why you're here. To glorify God and live for His glory. To glorify God and live for His glory. You want more? Well, here's how we, how we live for God. I'll just give you five things. Five things, real quick. Getting to know Him and love Him. You need to know Him and you need to love Him. You need to know who He is and you need to grow closer to Him in relationship. Secondly, learning to love others in God's family. You've got to learn to love people that are, that are, that are in His family, that are believers, that are, that are like-minded and, and, and grow with them and, and be in a family. Three, becoming like Christ. We're growing closer to Christ. We're becoming disciples of Christ. We're being more like Him. We're being transformed daily, renewing of the mind, renewing of everything so that we can be more like Him. Thirdly, we are serving others. We need to serve others. You know, when you serve someone suffering more than you, it does something in you emotionally that it is healthy and you, you need to serve others and you need to tell others about him lastly that that's what you're here for to share the good news you're here to, to get to know him to know him uh, to learn to love others in the family of God to to become more like Christ serve others and tell others about him that's your purpose so all the other stuff what you do isn't your purpose it's it's who you are you're made to glorify him and give him glory that's your primary goal in life as a believer and everything else works out when we get that right we live for him and then number three we beautify through trust and control. We beautify through trust and control. See, God has a part and you have a part. We, we, it's trust and control. God gave you a lot of His will because you have a brain, so you get to make wise decisions. You, you make choices every day, so there's a part that you do. You don't just lay around on the couch and say, well, God, I don't know what your will is, and I don't know what your purpose is. Please share, you know, if you're eating potato chips and watching TV and not doing anything, then you don't, 
You're not finding his will and his purpose, but he gives you a responsibility. There's just certain things that you control. You can control when you go to bed. You can control how you eat. You can make decisions and choices. That's your soul. That's what you do. That's who you are. And consulting with others even when you need to make major decisions in your life. That's very healthy emotionally. But you make choices ultimately with, with yourself and with others and you make these choices. But you also have to trust God. James 2.22 says this in talking about Abraham. You see that his faith and his actions, it talks about faith and actions. So faith, the things we can't see that God is only responsible for. And then his actions, the things, that, the choices that he made were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. By what he did. So, so we, we, we learn to, to make choices based on what we're capable of making and then trust God with the rest. But, but when we've done all that we can do, listen, we make choices, but when we've done all that we can do, and this is where your emotions need to be really healthy, when you've done all that you can do, you've got to trust God. You've got to trust His hand, that His hand is on it. And, and that will give you peace. Here's what Proverbs says in Chapter 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight. We don't understand everything that God's doing. We can't control a virus. We can't control what's happening in our businesses, in our lives, in our jobs, in our families, you know, because of the result of, of this. But, 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 but we can trust that God has all of this in His hands. That when we're capable of doing nothing else, we can make good, wise decisions, but when we're capable of doing nothing else, when we, we have a firm rock we can hold on to, and that's Jesus Christ. He is our rock. God is our rock. He is the one that secures us even when the storms of life come, even when the viruses come our way. All these things are, 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 are placed in His hand. We just got to release it to Him. Now, I, I, I want to share this prayer, and I love this prayer, and, and many of you have heard it's the serenity prayer of a, a Christian theologian named Reinhold Kienber. Uh He was a, a Christian uh, theologian uh, professor, Harvard and Union and, and different places, uh, uh, just a ed- well-educated man. Um, you've probably heard this prayer in 12-step programs like Alcoholic Anonymous and, and, and different ones like that. They kind of took his prayer and they took the Jesus and some of the spiritual out of it. But I want to go back to what he wrote here. And I think this is a really good prayer. So, so just follow along with me here in closing. He says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Isn't that powerful? Give me the wisdom to know the difference, the things I can change and, I, and in, the, in the things I, I can't change. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. A hardship is a pathway. The things I'm going through is a pathway to peace. Taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Okay, so we, we, we just have to accept that this is a sinful world. It's a hard world. But trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably, and I love this last part, reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever 
in the next. See, really the truth is, we, 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 this life isn't going to be perfect. We, we're not going to be supremely happy in this life. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs. There just is. But we can be reasonably happy in this life. But we live for a bigger purpose than ourselves is the thing. And when we focus on that, when we, 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 our emotions are, are anchored to the one who holds it all anyway, then we can live a life that is truly life. So we want to be reasonably happy in this life, but more than anything, to be supremely happy in the next. And we live for eternity. We live beyond ourselves. We, that's where our hope lies. That, that's what God has for us. So, for you, and, and just let me be straightforward with you right now. For some of you, you don't know what that means. You've been somewhat happy in this life, but you felt like there's dead ends every time or there's some kind of emptiness, you're looking for something. There's something out there, you feel incomplete. But, but Scripture tells us, here, here's what, you, you can be saved. It says, it says, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. Sin is what separates us from completeness. That's what makes us whole emotionally, physically, and more than anything spiritually because we have to get the spiritual right first. If we, can't, we can't get the emotions right unless we get the spiritual right. And, and sin has separated us from God. But it says, he who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You can call on the name of the Lord and he will come and save you. He will make you whole again. He will make you complete. And you do that, number one, by admitting that you are a sinner, that you are far from God, that you didn't really have anything to do with God in the first place, that you're separated from Him, and that, B, you want to believe that He is the Son of God. And then the third thing is you want to confess your sin to Him and give your life. So you could do that today. It just takes a minute. Just say this prayer, and it's not nothing in the prayer. I just want you to just, just pour your heart out to God right now, wherever you are, and give your life to Him so He can complete you. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus. I, I, I ask, I'm calling out to you right now, Lord Jesus. In your name, I realize that I am a sinner and I'm far from you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for my sin, and I confess my sin to you. I confess my life to you, and I, I, I receive you as Lord and Savior. I commit to you today. I'm walking with you from this day forth. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Make me a new person. Transform me from the inside out. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, you have given your life to Christ. And we want to celebrate with you today. I want you to connect with us. Really, I want you to connect with us. Send us a message right here, a private message right here on Facebook if you want to do that. You can also connect with us on our website. You can connect with us through the Church Center app. Whatever you, however you can get connected with us, do that. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll I'll put some information right here on the screen for you uh, to do that. And uh, we just want to celebrate with you. And uh, we, just, we just love you and thank you.
Uh, one more thing before we close. Guys, I appreciate your giving. I appreciate everything that, 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 that you've done through this. I want to remind you that we, we, we are opening up and we're going to have to make some major purchases and, and we still want to give. We're giving generously and we've been able to do that through your giving and we, we just thank you for that. But uh, you can continue to give. Um, you, can, you can give online. You can give by text. You can give in the mail and we'll offer that information to you right here on this message. But I uh, just encourage you to continue to give. We love you so much. Thank you for all that you do. You guys have a great Memorial Day weekend. We'll see you back next week for part three of our message series, The New Normal. And uh, as we talk about how to make our bodies a sanctified body for your glory. Amen. See you next time.